Thanks for joining us on the Crenshaw Christian Center New York podcast. And remember these words, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let's jump into the lesson. All right, we're in Thursday night Bible study. So tonight we're going to talk about how do you study the Bible? Now, most of you know that in the Sunday messages these past three weeks, I've been teaching on the topic, why do we study the word in the Bible? Why? And tonight, I want to take us to an allied topic of that Sunday message. And tonight's topic is, how do you study the Bible? How do you go about reading and studying the Bible to get what it has in it for you. We're going to talk about that tonight. Now, let me make a couple of observations about the Bible before we get into it. And it's some things that you probably already know. You know that the Bible is not a history book. It's not a book that you can take, like, say, the history of Rome or the history of England and open it on page one and read it from page one to page uh, to the end and have a continuous continuity of discussion. The Bible is not a history book in that sense. But the Bible does, as you know, contain historical facts that are verifiable and have been verified. The Bible contains so much rich information. It contains a lot of scientific facts that have been proven. There are statements in the Bible that are scientifically correct and so forth. And let me just read you a couple uh, uh, that... uh, that you probably already know. Leviticus 17.11. You don't have to go there. You can write it down. Leviticus 17.11 makes this statement. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. Well, that is absolutely medically and scientifically true. And in Job chapter 36, verses 27 and 29, he describes here how we get rain. That's Job 36, 27, 29. You don't have to worry about these because I'm going to do a discussion. And you may remember Pastor Billy did a number of messages on things that are scientifically uh, provable in the Bible and so forth. And we'll do something greater than this, but you can just mark it down. Job 36, verses 27, 29, where he talks about how do we get rain. In verse 27, he says, For he, meaning God, draws up drops of water, which distill as rain from the mist. In verse 28, which the clouds drop down and pour abundantly on man. That's exactly how rain is formed. Now, in terms of our conduct as humans, I pointed this out this past Sunday, that the Bible describes every form of human behavior that you can imagine and unimagine. That's every form. And and I, I listed really off the top of my head a number of things from murder to uh, to uh, to uh, dealing with spiritual truths and earthly truths, but it has it, whatever, whatever topic: jealousy, envy, incest, rape, adultery, you know, whatever, whatever topic you want to come up with. The Bible actually covers the topic, and the Bible, in many ways, is more descriptive of the human condition than any psychology textbook. It really, when you read those stories in the Bible, it really, really gives you uh, a psychological profile. This includes whether it's a parable that that Jesus talks about, you know, the parable of the 
the prodigal son. It's so rich in, uh, in, uh, in description of human behavior and human conduct and so forth. It's uh, hard to beat what's in the Bible. And that's why in all of the novels and movies and, 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 and uh, plays that have been written on a variety of topics uh, that we see, today and we've seen over the last 2,000 years, they really are a footnote to the Bible. These themes have been covered in the Bible and they just extract those themes and write them up in, uh, in what you would call uh, worldly form. But they really are themes derived. It's almost like we don't know anything that we didn't get from the Bible. <laughs> Let's put it this way. Or about anything that we didn't get from the Bible. Now, Let's look at some practical things in terms of studying the Bible. And you can jot these down if, if, if you can. Now, what I'm going to do, I'm going to promise you this. We're going to do a how to study the Bible. I don't know if I want to call it a seminar. <coughs> Excuse me. Because it's something that really needs to be where we can sit around, where you can have notebooks and, and your Bible open if you have a study Bible and so forth. And, and we can look at these things in detail. Today or tonight is an overview uh, because you couldn't possibly cover this topic in one or two or three sessions. But let's look at these, some pra these practical things. You should, number one, you should designate a definite and particular time that you devote to the study of the word. Now, I'm not saying it has to be the same time every day, but you should definitely say, I'm going to set aside this half hour or this hour or this 45 minutes to studying the word, meaning you're going to read the word and so forth. Now, let me ask you this. What's the first thing you should do before you start reading and studying the Bible? Yeah, I heard a lot of good answers over there. What about this side? Absolutely correct. You should pray uh, before you start the endeavor of studying the Bible. And what should you pray about? Discernment, understanding. Ask the Holy Spirit, ask the Father to help direct the Holy Spirit in your gaining an understanding of what you're reading. That's what the Holy Spirit is, is here for, to assist us. That his assigned, one of his main assigned functions, and we forget that as Christians we're entitled to call upon the Holy Spirit to help us to understand uh, what we're reading. And I'll talk a little bit more about that, and I'll actually give you some scripture on that. Now, you should always have paper and pen with you, a pad, could be your study book or whatever, or notepad, so you can write down the things that you come across that you don't quite understand. Now this could be just a word, it could be, it could be a word like propitiation, for example. <laughs> so if, if you don't know what that, that means, you, you write it down and so forth, and then you come back and you can, you can look it up uh, later. Anyway, to write down the thing, and then if you, it's the phraseology that you don't quite understand, you know, uh, you know, uh, justification, you know, we have been justified by Christ Jesus. I mean, what does that mean? Do you know what that means? So you write it down and it becomes one of your questions that you can go back to later. Now, there are a number of Bible resources that can help you in your study of the Bible. I'm going to mention some of them tonight and show you a couple that I have here. I didn't bring, because I would have to bring most of my 
study materials are at home because I do most of the studying at home because here in the office there are too many interruptions. So I wasn't going to cart all those books in tonight, but let me, and then we're not going to get into those anyway tonight and, you, and you'll understand why later. But let me just mention a couple of things. You should always have a Bible. And if you have the Ever-Increasing Faith Ministries Study Bible, you have one of the best resources in your hand. Now, we're going to go over this in detail, and I'm going to show you some things in here that maybe you don't know are in here, that if you follow what's in here and glean the extra information in here, you may not need to look anywhere else, but we'll, we'll get into that tonight. So, your Bible, a good study Bible. That's it. And this is, of course, uh, by our own apostle. Frederick A.C. Price. I'm not trying to sell Bibles, but this is a good one. How many of you have your Bible like this? Uh, you know, unfortunately, I didn't, didn't promote this ahead of time to tell you that if you have this Bible, to bring it. Some of you don't bring it because it's heavy and it's bulky and so forth, that I can understand that. Uh, but do you have a couple at the desk? If somebody wants to borrow one tonight, when we get into this, we're going to look at some things in here. Now, there are some, some interpretations of the Bible, and you've heard Eli ever give a lot of these, uh, and so you know the names of some of them. The two that I used the most in terms of getting an expanded understanding of a scripture or passage of scriptures is the Message Bible and the Amplified Bible. And I have at home, I have, it's, it's kind of thick, it's a combination of the... Uh, the um, new international version, NIV, and message combined. So I have parallel. You have the same thing where you get both of them lined side by side. So I have three wrapped up in one there. Amplified, message Bible, and the new international version. There are a lot of others. You should have a good regular dictionary. This is the Oxford Dictionary. This is for looking at words that you don't, you don't know. But now you should have one that is more spiritually oriented, like Vines Expository. Excellent, because he will give you a definition of the same word, and it'll have more of a biblical, spiritual context, and so forth. Same word, so forth. So Vines Expository. Now... That's V-I-N-E, by the way, for those of you who don't know uh, uh, what that is. Uh, and then there are a number of translations out there, too, and I'm not going to go over all of these. I quote one that you don't hear very much from time to time, and that's the Phillips translation. And Phillips, just like the name Philip, because in, in some passages, I really like the way it's stated. And I'll give you just one off the top of my head. That's... Uh, I think it's Romans, uh, it's Romans uh, 12, it's Romans 12, too. Be not, conform, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The Phillips translation renders this like this. Uh, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold, but let God remold your mind from within. I like, I like that. And then, uh, because that within, that's the Holy Spirit at work within, helping to remold your mind. So it's not a vague uh, thing, it's a reality and so forth. Uh, so, and then there are commentaries, and I'm not going to list a single name 
of a commentary tonight because I don't want you running out buying all of these different commentaries. But you probably know this, that there are commentaries written on every book in the Bible. And there are some famous names out there. And I'll come to these names later. And then I'll tell you why I'm not going to mention any tonight. Uh, because I want you to understand what you have at hand already before you go into uh, the commentaries. But there are some commentaries, especially some of our early, early Protestant writers, uh, uh, you know, a couple of centuries back, did some excellent writings in terms of, 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 of commenting on scripture and so on. So we'll talk about these at, at, at a later point. Now, I already mentioned the ever-increasing faith study Bible and reference Bible, but most of you have heard of the Schofield reference Bible. Excellent. MacArthur study Bible is a good one. Uh, ESV has a study Bible. ESV, is that's the English standard version. That's where the Bible is written in regular English language that you use every day. That's a good study Bible. But I like our ever-increasing faith study Bible, and I'm going to get into that later. And then the other thing that you should have at your fingertips and use is your computer. Now, probably... Many of you know this already. If you don't, almost anything that you can think of about the Bible is actually on the internet. And by that, I mean any topic, any scripture. The whole Bible is on the internet. Uh, and, uh, and, and I'll give you an example of how I use it. Now, I've been listening to the Word ever since apostles started teaching the Word. And then before he started teaching, I knew two or three before then from my uh, church that I went to. But you can imagine over 40-some years, I have heard and retained a lot of word. What you don't always retain is where it is in the Bible, so forth. Well, now, if you, as as I'm preparing lessons for uh, Sunday or even tonight, and I'm studying and the Holy Spirit will bring a scripture to me or the scripture just comes to me and I don't remember where it is. You know, I can just put that up on, I can Google it and and you have the scripture. How many of you know this? Okay, so 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 you're up in the, uh, what what century? It's 21st century? (laughs) So what I'm saying, it's it's really right at hand. The computer is absolutely incredible. There is something on every topic in the world. And there's something on every topic in the Bible there. So that's one of your best resources right there. Now, this is what I will caution you about. You may find an article on the internet on a given topic, but you've got to be careful who that source is, who's doing that teaching, and how they apply scripture and where it's done correctly. So just because you find something and it's written by so-and-so-and-so-and-so, D.D., you know, Dr. Divinity, doesn't mean it's correct. So you have to really, really pray for discernment, ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. But But what I want you to know is that it's there on the Internet. Now, the fifth point I want to make, I don't know if you're writing them down with numbers, but is that you want to write down key questions you have about a passage of Scripture that you just read, you know, what, what comes to you. That, uh, that you may need some further explanation of, which you might ask 
fellow Bible studiers, or you might ask the teacher. Uh, in this case tonight, it's me. Uh, now, it's also helpful to know the important historical and cultural realities of the day as you read passages from the scripture. Now, of the day means back in 2000, 1900 years ago or whatever. So it's important to know what was the reality historically and culturally. For example, you'll see a lot of uh, parables, a lot of descriptions in the Bible that relate to farmland. Why? Because that period, we, it was an agrarian period. It was the, part of the agrarian age where everything, uh, people lived on farms. They had animals and, and so on. So the analogies given in the Bible, the descriptions given in the Bible, by and large, re relate to something agricultural. And so that's why. You need to know other things. Now, let me give you one just off the top of my head. And if you come to discipleship training where I teach on the children's bread, our right to healing, and so forth. In those scriptures, that's Matthew uh, 15, verses 21 to 28. You can just write them down. You don't have to go there. Write them down. In there, it talks about a certain woman from Canaan is trailing behind Jesus and the disciples, and she's calling out to him and screaming out to him to help her. Help her with her demon-possessed daughter. Now, it's significant because you know in the Bible, it, it doesn't always detail where a person comes from. For example, when it talks about the woman with the issue of blood, what does it say? A certain woman with an issue of blood. You don't know where she came from. When it says a woman from Canaan, it's saying it for a reason. And so you have to know the cultural context and the meaning. Jesus was sent to be the Messiah first for the Jews. And he was sent to the Jews. The Canaanites were not part of the chosen people. And, and, and so when Jesus tells her, you know, that, that the children's bread, which is, which is healing, he says the children's, he says, I shouldn't give the children's bread to the little dogs. Now, that's really harsh. But in reality, the Jews really regarded non-Jews pretty much in that, in that uh, in, 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 in that way, that these were really dogs. Because if you're not part of the chosen people or the chosen uh, 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 race, then you really are not entitled to any of, of the things that, uh, that were designated for the children of Israel. And so that's why you, culturally you need to know that. Canaanites, Jews didn't mix. Nobody mixed with the Jews, if you recall. You remember the Samaritans didn't mix with the Jews? The Jews didn't mix because everybody outside of their group was beneath them. So, forth. so that's understanding the historical and cultural context. That's just one example and so forth. Now, as I said earlier, you want to make up your own word study notes using keywords and phrases that you pick up in the scripture. You know, words like sanctification, justification, Propitiation, which I used earlier. Something like the blessing of Abraham. What does baptize with the Spirit means? And how is that different from filled with the Spirit? So those, you know, you, you might read them over and think you understand them, but you should write them down for further, uh, you know, further study and further understanding and so on. 
And then this next point is one of the most important, I think, and that is make a note of the cross-references that come to you. And I gave some examples of this last Sunday, and I'll repeat a couple and, and, and refresh your memory. The cross-references to me is part of rightly dividing the Word of God. Cross-referencing is connecting scriptures that relate to the scripture that you're reading uh, at the time. And further amplifies, either validates what you're reading or amplifies what you're reading. Those are the cross-references. And then I'm going to come back to this uh, in a point. The other thing you want to look for as you read the Bible, look for major themes in the Bible. What are some major themes in the Bible? Give me a couple right quickly. Well, love is one. Salvation is one. Faith is one. Redemption. Forgiveness. And so on. These are major themes. So you want to note those when you're reading, uh, when they come up, and so forth. Now, in terms of reading a Bible, I said it's not a history book. But you can read the Old Testament from beginning to end and follow for me because it does follow a sequence. And there, and there are certain Jewish historical texts in there that are in pretty much good sequence, although they mix up a couple from time to time. Now, but you don't want to read the New Testament that, that way all at once. What you want to do in terms of reading the New Testament is to take a book by itself at one time and then focus on that book for several weeks and study it until you really have gotten out of that book whether it's the book of Romans Romans has so much in it that's one of the most important and Romans by the way is the beginning of the New Testament in other words Matthew is not the beginning of the New Testament you've heard us say this Apostle says this even though that's the way it's delineated in the Bible the reason Matthew Mark, Luke, and John are not, why are they not part of the New Testament? Right, you, you said it, because the New Testament doesn't come into being until the testator is dead. Jesus is alive during the writing, I mean, during what's written about in the uh, four Gospels. And so, and the book of Acts, by the way, which comes after uh, John, that's the Acts of the Apostles and so forth. And that's still pre-New Testament and so on. So, now, uh, another point that, that, that I want to toss out to you is this, and it's one that you already know, is that it's important for you to understand what you read. And you should ask as you're reading this, what does this mean? What does this mean? And if you prayed about it and you've asked the Holy Spirit to help you, guide you into all truth and so forth, uh, that should be of help. And of course, that's where we come in, those who teach Bible study, teach on Sunday, and, uh, and sometimes teach in special classes. It's to help guide you into fully understanding the principles that you're reading about. Now, you can use the basic principle of interpretation called analogy of faith. Analogy of faith. And that's simply interpreting the Bible with the Bible. And I'll talk a little bit about that later. And so on. You may not recall that I said when we began the lesson on why do we study the word in the Bible, I said we're going to look to the Bible, to the word in the Bible to tell us why we study the Bible. And we went to the scriptures, 
which declare that the, the, that's the inspired word of God. That's the number one reason we read the Bible. But that's in the Bible, and so forth. So you can test the Bible with the Bible. And I'll talk about, uh, a little bit more about that later. Now, I'm saying let the Holy Spirit be your teacher. I do want you to go to this scripture. It's 1 John. It's little John next to Revelations. And let's take a look at this. Let me find it myself. Let's read that. I mean, I'll read it to you. Uh, this is 1 uh, John 2.27. It says, But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And that's anointing from the Holy Spirit. And abides in you. And you do not need anyone teach you. You do not need, you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. Now, here it almost sounds like it's saying that you don't need any other teacher other than the Holy Spirit. But you would have to read the whole context there and you'd have to start up at uh, like at least by uh, at verse 20. Uh, to do this, and I didn't, I hadn't planned to spend time on this, but let's just just back up and look at this. What, what's happening here is that this is a group of people who parted ways with the, say, the group of, of followers, and he's telling the ones who remain is that forget about them. You are the ones who have been anointed by the Holy Spirit, and you have the Holy Spirit in you as your teacher, so you should know the truth. So let's let's see what twenty says. Twenty says. Oh, let's start with 19. It says, they went out from us. These are the ones that separated from them. But they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they uh, might be made, oh, that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. Anointing from the Holy Spirit who teaches us all things. Uh, 21 I have not written to you because you do not know the truth I have not written to you because you do not know the truth but because you know it in other words he's saying I didn't write it to you because you didn't know I wrote it to you because you do know uh, the truth but because you know it and that and that no lie is of the truth 22 who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ he is antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. 23. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Let truth abide in you. That's a little heading there. 24. Therefore let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son. That's the truth abiding in you and, it, and in the Father. And five, and this is a promise that he has promised us that's eternal life. 
26, these things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. And 27, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you and you do not need anyone, you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie and just as if, just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. So forth. So, that's the Holy Spirit somewhat amplified to you. The Holy Spirit was given to us. Remember Jesus, back in the Gospel of John, said the Holy Spirit would be sent to us by the Father. And he would pray the Father to send another helper or comforter, the Holy Spirit. And later in John 16, uh, 13, talks about the Holy Spirit being the Spirit of truth who will teach us all things and lead us and guide us into all truth. That's the Holy Spirit. The truth... I went through this little exercise, which I'll go through tonight if we have time, uh, about the truth. Now, when you use cross-references and comparative passages, you are rightly dividing the word of God. So you use concordances like the one I mentioned. You use indexes and perhaps commentaries or books on the subject. And then you can consult with people that you think know a little bit more than you. (laughs) And, of course, you can always ask the teacher, so forth. Uh, in applying the word, Jesus had this to say in the Gospel of John, verses 13, 17. Write it down. You don't have to go there. The, the Gospel of John, John 13, 17. This is Jesus speaking. He says, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. We're talking about applying the word now because... No matter what is said and done about studying, reading, understanding, and knowing the word, none of it means anything if you don't apply it. It's there to apply to our lives to help us lead the victorious overcoming life. That's what it's all about. And this is why James tells us, James 1.22, this is a familiar scripture, you can write it down, you don't have to go there. James 1.22, and you know this one. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. In other words, you're deceiving yourselves if you think that spouting the word, knowing the word, being able to say where it is, uh, is going to make you somehow better, make you superior, or uh, uh, do you any good. None of it does you any good if you don't apply it to your life, to the circumstances uh, where it's needed. Now... As I said already, that there are all kinds of resources out there, including books, commentaries, teachings, other Bibles, study Bibles, and so forth. But what I want to begin with tonight is with what we have at hand. Now, I don't know how many of you were fortunate enough to buy the original ever-increasing faith ministry study Bible. It's this one. A subsequent uh, one came out that was larger print, giant print. It doesn't have all of the different things that this has in it. This is excellent. So we're going we're gonna to look at this tonight. And I'm going to show you how much you have right here. If you glean what's in this book, you probably won't need to go anywhere else. Now let me start from the beginning. We're not going to read the preface, but the preface gives you a lot of important information. Then there's this. You don't have a copy of this, but this is how to use a reference. 
library. And what it's talking about are those little things that you see in the margin. You know, when you uh, see these little things right here in between that has numbers on them and so forth and so on. Those are references and cross-references. This tells you what they all mean. It would take me the rest of the evening to go through these. I probably still wouldn't get there, so I'm not going to do that. Uh, it tells you what special abbreviations are used that you're going to come across and so forth. A-R-A-B means Arabic. Uh, M-T is Masoretic text. That's the original traditional uh, Jewish text, uh, which I have a copy of, by the way, and too, but that's what that means. Now, what I, don't, what I want to get to is what I've given you uh, just one sheet of, and that is the topical index of the Bible. This is something that too many people overlook in terms of studying the Bible. And I want you to look at... Uh, actually, do we have any left? Yeah. No, I want you all to have one. Do we have any, do we have any left? Hmm? Okay, all right. This Bible has an exhaustive topical index, starting going from A to Z. And what you have in your hand is an illustration of how to use the topical index of the Bible to study it. And let's just go over that. Let me read what it says. It says, the index offers advantages for, for, for personal Bible study that not even a combination of the above study helps will provide. The above study helps is talking about it has the best features of a concordance, a topical index, the usable study features of a syllabus, and other related study aids into one unique, quick, easy-to-use form. That's the topical index. And it gives an illustration there, which I copied for you to see and let's just look at that and it's saying an example will illustrate how to use the index suppose you need to prepare or study a lesson on the peace of Jesus follow these three easy steps now you go to the index that has peace and that's the second sheet see the second sheet on the right hand side go down and you see where it says peace where part of that is photographed on this example. So, you, you see it? Okay. So you, you've been asked to prepare something on the peace of Jesus. So you look up peace in the, in the topical index, and there you have it. And then it's the peace of Jesus. So down below, in number C, it says of Christ, meaning peace of Christ. So you have that reference. And then they give three scriptures there. And then... And number three, it says, now you see the various scripture references dealing with the peace of Jesus. Then uh, that's Isaiah 9, 6, 7. We're not going to go to these. That, the H-A-G is Haggai uh, 2, 8. And then Isaiah 52, 7. But let's just, for quick understanding, Isaiah 9, 6, 7 is the scripture where you have those beautiful words, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and his name shall be called Wonderful. Well, first of all, and the, and the uh, what is it? And the world shall be upon his shoulders, and he shall be called Counselor, Wonderful, and all the other words, and then Prince of Peace. So that's where the peace comes in and so forth. 
So now, you can take that and then look for other things on the piece that might fit into your study. And then if you have the concordance, which has a whole maybe half page of things on piece, you could do it. Now, here's where the internet comes in. Uh, in. This is off the top of my head. Uh, put, put in the peace of Jesus or the peace of Jesus Christ and see what comes up. I guarantee you something will come up. I haven't looked this up, but I know it will because it, there's nothing that it doesn't have something on. Even if you have to phrase it a different way. But I just want you to see this. While he's doing that. So you have the beginning of the topical index right next to this, starting with Aaron. It goes from A to Z. So Aaron, if you want to know more about Aaron. Now you know off the top of your head who Aaron was. You remember who Aaron was? Older brother Moses. He was part of of the escape from Egypt, the emancipation from Egypt. He was part of it. But this, this right below here tells you that he's the descendant of, he's the son of this one, he's Moses' older brother, he's a brother of Miriam, uh, uh, he's the father of these three, including Eleazar, and so forth. Then it talks about the positions, and so on and so on. Helper, whatnot, uh, commissioned with Moses to deliver. Israelites from Egypt. In other words, you'll find everything you need to know about Moses right there. Very comprehensive. This is just the index, by the way. Now, let me move ahead <laughs> because after the index, you get into the actual text of the Bible, starting with the Old Testament. But now I want to go to the end. When Ian gets something, he will look at it. You got it? An enormous amount of information from there. But let's go. I want us to start with what we have in hand. We have in hand our own study Bible. Now, most Bibles will have, they don't all have the same thing, but most will have a topical index and so forth. But this is what we have here. We're going to go to the end of the Bible. If you have your Bible, follow along with me. We're going to go to the end of Revelations. Here, and I just want you to know what we what you have right here. And if you know this, you you may not need to go anywhere else. Okay, after Revelations, it has what they call the harmony of the gospels. And what it's talking about, it's talking about the parallel uh, uh, discussion and description of things in the what they call the synoptic gospels. Which, what are the synoptic gospels? I heard Matthew. Okay, it's really Matthew, Mark, and Luke, by the way. Right. All are called the gospels. 
Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the synoptic gospels. John is not. Now, synoptic means, it's similar to the word synopsis. It's like a summary, but it's also, it means common view. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John cover pretty much the same things. When you get to John, it's a little bit different. And John is a gospel, but it's, it's a lot more mystical than the other two. Remember, John is the one that starts like, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and so forth, and, and so on. That's it. The others don't start that way, and so forth. So the synoptic gospels are the three, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke. They have John here too, but what it's showing is a harmony. It's showing how on all these different topics, oh, if you don't have the Bible, you know what I'm talking about. Those of you who have the Bible, it talks about birth, infancy, and adolescence with Jesus, and John the Baptist. And it gives you the parallel of all of the three synoptic gospels. And if John did say anything about it. And it has the truth about John the Baptist. It has the beginning of Jesus' ministry and 12 events. And it's what all three gospels say. And it has his ministry in Galilee. The Galilean ministry talks about that. It has the, the last Judean and the Perean ministry. Who knows what Perean ministry means? Judean means he was in Judea there. Korean just means he was in Perea. That's another territory along uh, the Jordan River and in that same general area. It was part of the Herod's kingdom. You know who Herod was. So that's all it means. It means in that area. He didn't really go that far in his teachings and so forth. So that's what that means. But it's a parallel what each of those talk about. Then at the end it has the final weeks, the final week of work at Jerusalem. And 41 events, and it has what each of those says. That's incredible. That's incredible. Now, you heard me say that one way that you study the Bible is to test the Bible with the Bible. The next entry that's in this Bible, if you have it, it's the prophecies of the Messiah fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And it talks about the, the prophecies that were made in the Old Testament how they're fulfilled in the New Testament. So you have, how many are looking at this? Okay. So when we do this again, we're going to see if we can make sure everybody has a copy of uh, this Bible. And if you can buy a copy of the Ever-Increasing Faith Study Bible, the original one, not the giant text, or giant print. So this starts with, uh, in Genesis 3.15, which deals with the seed of the one. You remember he talks about, he's going to put enmity between that's the prophecy about Jesus Christ, the seed. And it's fulfilled. Uh, uh, I think this is Galatians 4.4. Uh, 4. And it reads, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, that's a seed, born under the law. That's that projection back in Genesis about enmity being put between yeah you can put it up in between is there and it goes right down through all of these different prophecies and how they're fulfilled in the Old Testament there's one, two, three, four five six six pages of those prophecies fulfilled oh you see now you can see that you're, you're going to do something on the peace of Jesus so this is on the internet. The peace of Christ. How the peace of Christ ruled your heart. How to allow it. What is the peace of Christ? 30 best Bible verses about peace. 
the gospel of peace of Jesus Christ, the gift of peace, grace to you. What kind of peace does Jesus give? Pastor Rick Warren, I have to see his name there. What is a peace of God? And how can I experience it? And so on. The importance of having the peace of Christ, and so forth. The peace of Christ. I can guarantee you, out of all of those, you will get more than you need to prepare your lesson on the and that's from the internet, so forth. So when you combine that with what you pick up here, uh, you're well on your way. Now, but I started with the index, which most people overlook. I bet you most people have never looked at the index, <laughs> the Bible, in their Bible. Okay. Now, there's another section after the prophecies that were fulfilled is one on money's weights and measures. These are the, the money's weights and measures of that, that time. We're not going to get in that. Another one that's in here. This is our ever-increasing faith study Bible. It's called the Prayers of the Bible. And it begins with uh, Abijah's army for victory. Abraham for a son. Abraham for Ishmael. Abraham for Sodom. Abraham for Abimelech. Goes down. Moses for success. These are prayers. His prayer. And it gives you where they are in the Bible. And you can, you can actually look them up. Uh, Solomon for wisdom. That's a great one. He asks for, for wisdom and so on. And you remember what Solomon does? I'm going to take a few extra minutes tonight. You remember he sends up, I don't know how many, 200 burnt offerings to, 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 to God. That was the way you, you worshiped the Lord in those days. And the Lord appears and saying, what would you ask me or what would you ask that I give you? And so forth and so on and so on. And uh, of course he asks for wisdom. Now here's another one we have in our home Bible parables of Jesus now there are about 40 parables of Jesus obviously they couldn't put it all in here I think there are about 10 here and it's the most famous ones and the ones that um, are most uh, important I'm going to take just a couple more minutes now but I'm saying this is all in your Bible uh, that you have in hand now this is not going to be in every Bible some of these things are going to be in some Bibles but they are all in our ever increasing faith study Bible and that's why it's such a good one. So it gives you ten of the parables, uh, like the, the parable of the prodigal son, the good Samaritan, the secret of growth, secret growth of seed, the hidden treasure of the pearl of great price, the lost sheep and the lost coin, the rich fool, the friend at midnight, the house built on a rock, and so forth. And then following that, I'm just going to complete this, because this is just an overview. Then it has great Bible chapters. And the first great Bible chapter is creation. The great epic of beginnings. This is obviously Genesis. This is Genesis 1, 2, 3. It lists them and it tells you where they are. And it has David's great prayer, the psalm of nature, Ezekiel, Ezekiel's strange vision, the greatest thing in the world. What is that? That's Paul's essay on love. Greatest thing in love. Love, the greatest thing. Because it's the greatest motivator. And so forth. And then... In Revelations, it has the city of God. These are great chapters in the Bible and so forth. So, so I'm saying if you go through a portion of this, you won't have time to get to the other commentaries that are out there and so forth. But, uh, and then it has great Bible stories. Great Bible stories. And it lists them and it tells you where they are. Noah survives a catastrophe. And it tells you where they are. This is in Genesis 6, 8. 
Abraham and Isaac, Genesis 22, verses 1 through 18. David's call to destiny, tells you where that is. The fiery furnace, you remember that? And on and on and on. And then there's a section on what the Bible teaches. See here what the Bible teaches? God has the creation story, the creation of man, the God without equal. It teaches about sin and redemption, living in God's family. And then you get to the commentaries of Apostle Frederick K.C. Price. These are all here. If you read these, you will you probably won't need to go to anybody else's commentaries. An apostle has a commentary on faith, excellent. On the Holy Spirit, excellent. On healing, excellent. And it has a section on how I minister healing by the laying on of hands. He has commentary on prosperity, on prayer plus salvation. That's all in our ever-increasing faith. And just for example, on salvation, it says salvation, what it means for you, and so forth. And then at the end of all of that, you come through, there's some study page notes, but you come to what I call the miniature concordance. You have a concordance at the end of, of your Bible. And it starts with A and goes to Z and so forth. So, how many of you think that you would need a lot more if you exhausted what's in here? <laughs> All right. As I said, this is an overview. We'll get into more detail. Hmm? I don't know. What's the price of this now? You, would, you could go on Amazon Books and see if it's available. Uh, and I'll check and see if they have, have it out, out west. But I recommend this to you. I do admit that it's a heavy Bible to carry around. But in terms of a study Bible, you have, you have so much here. So, so I wish we could cover more tonight, but we can't. But this is just a beginning overview. I didn't even get through the introduction. So we'll get back to this. So Our I hope can. is that you received something that you could apply to your life and strengthen your faith. At Crenshaw Christian Center, New York, we believe that the Word of God is practical for everyday application. Feel free to stay in touch with us via social media, or you can give us a call at 212-749-9323. If you're in the New York area, you're welcome to join us at one of our services. Our Sunday morning service is at the New Yorker Hotel at 945 a.m. That's on 34th Street and 8th Avenue in New York City. Or join us for Bible study on Thursday evenings at our fellowship office, 470 7th Avenue on the 6th floor, right in Herald Square. Thanks again for listening. And remember, walk by faith, not by sight.